0: Back empowers you to get it together with a single digital wallet. Use back to aggregate, convert, send, and spend digital assets like crypto, loyalty, and rewards points and gift cards. Go to back, B-A-K-K-T.com and start treating your digital assets just like cash. A revolutionary tech startup has created a way for you to convert your Bitcoin and Ethereum into shares of real, tangible art. Think paintings by Banksy, Picasso, and more. You know, like an NFT, but in real life. It's such a game changer that they just became New York's latest billion dollar unicorn. Just go to masterworks.io scoop and see important disclosures at masterworks.io disclaimer.
1: Hey, Scoop listeners, I'm Ashton Keeley. I cover regulation and policy at The Block, and I'm on the mic this week to give you an overview on the developing policy to keep an eye on. This week, we're talking about FATF's finalized crypto guidance. The FATF, or the FATF, isn't an agency. It's a global task force, a coalition of countries coming together to set standards related to anti-money laundering regulation. The strength is in the agreement. If you want to be in the club, a club that includes many nations considered financial powerhouses, you play by the FATF's rules, or else face the gray list, the list of nations it's considered are at risk of illicit financial activity due to domestic regulations. So what the FATF says matters, and in 2019, it started talking about crypto. It issued draft guidance calling for Virtual Asset Service Providers, or VASPs. That's basically what the FATF calls crypto exchanges and money transmitters to be regulated like traditional finance entities. The biggest sticking point is a travel rule, something the traditional sector has been abiding by for years, but is a huge problem for crypto. The travel rule would require VASPs to collect and transmit information on both parties executing a transaction, and have that information on hand should a government want to investigate suspicious transactions. Collecting and securely sending this data is challenging, given the current infrastructure. Not to mention a little contradictory to what some might call crypto's ethos. But the biggest issue the industry has with complying with the travel rule is it's not totally clear who has to comply. Decentralized finance entities, or DeFi entities, didn't fit neatly into the FATF's definition of VASP. It released clarifications in this finalized version to help governments craft policy for less-than-easily-categorized DeFi entities. But it's still unclear how entities like developers or key signers will comply. But before we get into why, what does it mean when the FATF finalizes something? I asked the former executive secretary of the FATF. Rick McDonald is a former executive secretary of the FATF and the executive director of the Association of Certified Anti-Money Laundering Specialists, which provides the gold standard certification for AML. Rick, thanks so much for being here.
2: Well, thank you very much, Ashlyn, and hello to you and all your listeners.
1: So what does it mean when the FATF finalizes something? What else can we expect to see out of the body after a final
2: guidance? Well, guidance is uh, always put out in relation to issues of implementation of the anti-money laundering and terrorist financing standards, which the FATF is the standard setter for that. So guidance is what it, it says. It's meant to indicate and give some guide to industry as to what they need to do to meet the standards of compliance, which the FATF has in its international standards and which national regulators have as a consequence of the FATF standards. At the local level. So what it means in practice is it's the end of the line, so to speak, in terms of the standard setting policy decision making and guidance as to what you have to do as an industry. So we're now down to the implementation phase. And that's where we are at the present time.
1: Right. So with that in mind, how will implementation be assessed?
2: Well, in terms of uh, actual entities, virtual asset service providers, and frankly, also in the DeFi industry as well that will fall to uh, the mandate of national regulators or state regulators around the world in in various countries Uh, what the fatf uh, standards do is to set the international set of requirements at a high policy level and the details then flow to the national regulators to ensure compliance with those so that that involves a lot of new regulation potentially new uh, legislation and on-site examinations, off-site examinations just as occur with financial institutions and banks.
1: Obviously, crypto is iterating so quickly, and bodies like the FATF have had to learn very quickly how to regulate something that might not fit neatly into its previous frameworks. Um, But these regulations are pretty similar to regulations it's placed on traditional finance. Has the FATF ever encountered a situation similar to this, where it has had to regulate something so new? And how did it approach that?
2: I think we could say that this sector, virtual assets, crypto, cryptocurrency, DeFi, and NFTs, for that matter, are all fall into the, the same general category of extremely new and untested in terms of AML CFT regulation. So it's it's a learning curve for everybody. It's a which should say a, a severe level of uh, resource application that will be required, a serious one, because as you probably no doubt know, in the traditional financial institutions, they've had a hundred years of practice, so to speak in having systems in place that uh, assess their risks, risks of clients, risks of uh, products, risks of misuse and fraud, all of those things. Uh, And they have built into their compliance systems internally many tools that help to defray those risks, including anti-money laundering and terrorist financing. That's not been the case with uh, the VASP industry because it was not uh, conceived in that fashion with regulation in mind. It was conceived to move uh, money and value rapidly, cheaply, competitively, as quickly as possible to one part of the world to another, or from one uh, house to the next if it's local. So the issue here, I think, is that there has had to be, and there's now an ongoing process in many VASPs, to redesign, or at least to change their engineering systems in their IT platforms to ensure that they can identify the sender and recipient of money. So in the FATF context, that's called originator and beneficiary identification of transactions. And that is an issue which the, all of the VASPs are now struggling with to find, try to find a solution that can build into their systems an identification of uh, who's uh, sending the money to whom and who's receiving it. And that's a big challenge because they haven't been engineered that way to begin with.
1: Right. And the industry has had two years to work on solving that problem. From your vantage point, is it close to being able to meet the FATF standards?
2: I think there are a number of uh, solutions out there now which are close to achieving uh, those standards. I think, though, it's hard to uh, overestimate the big change that has been involved here because it's, it requires a fundamental reappraisal of how your system, if you're a VASP, goes from simply sending money or value to having to identify persons, originators and beneficiaries. Uh, So that is required, and I'm certainly not an IT expert, but I know from many people who are, that this has proven to be much more difficult than uh, was envisaged, although many people at the beginning thought it's not going to be possible at all. But to answer your question, in my view, yes, we're getting much closer to uh, a solution. There may in fact be a multiplicity of solutions, Uh, in other words, different types of travel rule solutions, but they will all have to have the same basic requirements. Those requirements are the same ones that uh, financial institutions and banks have had for many, many years. That is know your customer requirements, customer due diligence, reporting of suspicious transactions, etc. All of those things that FATF encapsulates in one of its recommendations, recommendation 10, which will be known to all the AML compliance folks, that has to be done by VASPs as well. And that will require a lot of, apart from the computer engineering, that will require much more concentration on what compliance means in practice and in depth. It will require more resources, undoubtedly, and it will require some more time. And that's something that uh, the FATF has recognized in allowing for a phased approach to implementation.
0: Back is the digital wallet of the future, empowering you to manage all of your digital assets from a single place. Back puts the power in your hands to get your crypto, loyalty and rewards points and gift cards together to choose how you wanna use them. Treat your digital assets just like cash And convert, send, or spend them using BACK. Get started today and get it together with BACK. Sign up at BACKBAKKT.com. For the last 10 years, Kraken has been known as one of the best platforms for trading crypto online. Now with the new Kraken app, it's easier than ever to buy and sell over 60 of the most popular cryptocurrencies on the go 24-7. Simply download the Kraken app, connect your bank account and start investing for as little as $10. Just a minute is all it takes to get started. A new application of decentralized finance just unlocked a multi-trillion dollar industry. How big? How about $6 trillion big? High net worth investors have used this often overlooked alternative investment to build multi-generational wealth. The investment is contemporary blue-chip art, and this billion-dollar unicorn lets you invest in art similar to investing in a company stock. Masterworks.io offers fractional ownership of real paintings by artists Think, Banksy, Buscott, and Warhol, so instead of needing tens of millions, you can invest tens of thousands. Some of their offerings have sold out in hours, but you can get priority access today by going to masterworks.io scoop. That's masterworks.io scoop. See important disclosures at masterworks.io disclaimer.
1: To find out what that implementation might look like from an industry perspective, I sat down with Joseph Weinberg. He's the co-founder of Shift, a firm looking to build an interoperable solution for VASPs, including more decentralized ones. You know, the FAT have committed to clarifications, especially around those definitions. Where did it land? For those looking for a TLDR, what are the most important takeaways from this finalized guidance? How is the industry going to have to change?
3: I think there's probably a few things. So they did what we kind of assumed they would do is really focus in on this concept of a key signer. And that does mean protocol teams people actively engaged in these systems, whether they be developers or not. They did it in a very interesting way. They kind of left things intentionally broad, but they focused on it being broad. So it was focusedly broad, which is, I think, good and bad. I think that it means that we have to kind of wait and see how regulators take this guidance and put it into action, as that's kind of, you know, the next phase of this process. But it is very likely that, you know, the concept of, a DAO, you know, core member or an early team raising capital to deploy these systems, they're going to have to look at: Do you register with FinCent uh, or something along those lines? And so, I think that's where this ultimately starts to change: is that early teams that are building systems, or early or people involved in DAOs on a day to day basis, very likely could become VASPs in the context.
1: And what does all this mean for a solutions builder like yourself, um, and those looking to comply?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that there's like, there is infrastructure being designed today. And I think that there will continue to do so. I think it really just clarifies that, you know, the direction of the ecosystem is changing. And, and with that, you know, we need centralized or pseudo decentralized solutions to fit these issues, uh, as a whole. So I mean, in projects like shift, you know, in our case, we kind of design for a world where, you know, everything is smart contract based. We don't care if you're a centralized entity or a decentralized DAO or a key signer. That you know, we can make sure that infrastructure to kind of mitigate these risks at the, the network level are, are still considered. Everyone is included in that uh, development. And so, I mean, it's it's great for Shift and, and projects like it. Is I think it kind of just says, you know, this infrastructure is really needed and really useful. And that we it also is, I think, a really good example to show that, you know, we can build systems that don't centralize, you know, the ecosystem today. And I think that's the, the goal is like we need to maintain privacy. We need to maintain decentralization uh, and we need to not let regulations uh, destroy what makes you know, crypto amazing.
1: Right. And can you go a little deeper on on how Veriscope, Shift Solution and the Shift Network itself, how these decentralized solutions solve for the travel rule?
3: Yeah, so um, effectively, like what Shift is, is it's uh, an EVM compatible kind of sidechain, I guess, if you will. It is really smart contracts that uh, enable uh, quite a few different applications on top of it. The goal uh, was really to build what we call an attestation infrastructure. Uh, this is the idea that you can write metadata transactions that are in relation to some sort of an event. So it's really an event system. So the idea is that you are Binance, you are about to do a withdrawal on behalf of user A, and you're looking for information on who has uh, control of the you know, Bitcoin address that you're about to send to. So let's say Exchange B uh, has information on the address that it is, uh, of course, the receiving address. And so uh, what Shift does is it basically just acts as an open smart contract platform that allows any different VASP to basically go into that system, write these attestations publicly, requesting information, of course, uh, confidentially on behalf of anyone uh, globally, receiving a request for that information from let's say Exchange B, let's say it's Bitfinex, uh, and then allowing them to use the public and private keys to trustlessly coordinate the data transmission requirements and the rules of that transaction. And so uh, the benefit of this is that there's no central entity that's controlling user data. This is, maintains full peer-to-peer uh, discovery. We can enforce the rules of those smart contracts, obviously on the network so that anyone can leave that system at any time. Users don't have any risk that the rules of that system change. And it means that we can also include this across any other smart contract, any other you know, ERC-20 or equivalent you know asset base. We can do this across you know, any form of a VASP, right? So a VASP in the context of shift is a public and private key that is attested to That can apply to DAOs, to key signers, to uh, any other DAP you can think of. And so it it allows us to just build this kind of data information architecture on top of public blockchains. And it allows us to really maintain the privacy guarantees that we have uh, in the ecosystem today.
1: So there are solutions on the horizon. But that also means that the excuse of it's not built into the infrastructure for a lack of compliance is running out. And when it does, there will be enforcement. Let's zoom into the United States. Elliptic, a firm building compliance tools for crypto, also produces research that keeps a watchful eye on all things crime and enforcement. Earlier this year, the firm released a report breaking down crypto enforcement actions by U.S. regulators. It found penalties from enforcement actions against crypto firms reached $2.5 billion so far. Here to break down how the FATF guidance might affect the U.S. regulatory landscape is David Carlisle, Elliptic's Director of Policy and Regulatory Affairs. So what in this finalized guidance will likely end up shaping how the U.S. crafts its own crypto policy?
4: Yeah, well, I think, you know, there, there are a few interesting things in the FATF guidance that really stand out. Uh, now, one, I think is just a clear indication that policymakers won't accept a situation where DeFi sits outside the regulatory framework. It's a clear statement that the FATF expects countries to hold those behind DeFi projects to account. So I think at a basic level, it's going to really just result in heightened scrutiny of the DeFi space. But I think it also offers a lot for U.S. regulators in terms of helping to shape the approach they might take to enforcement. Now, one of the really interesting things in the the FATF guidance is this concept they keep coming back to, which is many DeFi platforms maybe really aren't that decentralized. Uh, The FATF makes this point a number of times, which is to say it doesn't matter how much you claim to be decentralized if there is a financial service going on that is regulated, uh, something like crypto exchange or lending, we expect that the people behind those arrangements or services or dApps need to be held accountable and need to comply with AML requirements. And the fact that you make claim to be decentralized doesn't really matter. I think this is going to really shape the U.S. approach and will reflect the approach of U.S. regulators. I think the the main assumption they're going to make is that many DeFi platforms or arrangements are maybe not as decentralized as they appear. And I think they're going to, you know, essentially look to enforce the regulations against those platforms and services where they see elements of centralization.
1: Right. So how might U.S. firms have to adjust from how they operate now? What might that policy end up looking like in practice?
4: Well, I think what regulators in the US are going to do is look at the DeFi platforms that are out there and, you know, assess the totality of what's happening in these marketplaces and these ecosystems to figure out who can we hold accountable. So, they'll be looking at things like uh, how is the governance arrangement set up? Is there a developer team who are hosting a domain through which a significant portion of the market are accessing some of the underlying services? Are there marketing activities going on that suggest uh, the people who developed the underlying protocol are um, running it essentially as a business matter? Uh, And and they'll be looking at the totality of these operations and saying, you know, if you've done something more here than just release software out into the wild, but are, are really running what appears to be a business, and are are maintaining what look like customer relationships, then we're going to treat you as a regulated entity. And I think, you know, for for DeFi developers and the teams and investors who are behind a lot of DeFi projects, they're really going to have to think very, very carefully, uh, you know, are we operating in a way that's likely to get us ensnared by regulatory requirements? And increasingly, I think, you know, as new products, are launched and initiated, those teams are really going to need to be thinking from the outset, you know, are we doing something here that could implicate the regulations? And are we thinking about that from day one?
1: And to zoom out a bit, we've seen a lot of discussions regarding crypto regulation play out in the U.S. over the past year between the FinCEN wallet rule, between the infrastructure bill. So how does this if guidance dovetail with those other regulatory debates playing out here in the U.S.?
4: Yeah, well, I think the general trend overall is what we're seeing is regulators really saying that they want to see the same rules and regulations that apply in the banking space to also apply in the crypto realm. And so really, the trend is just towards increasing alignment between the crypto space and the banking space from a regulatory perspective. Now, I think that's true in the FATF guidance, where we see things like the travel rule emphasized, uh, where we see that you know they've said now that things like DeFi also cannot sit outside that perimeter. Uh, but we also saw more recently with things like the uh, recent report on stablecoins that came out of the President's Working Group on uh, Financial Markets. Uh, this recent report that was issued by uh, the Treasury Department in conjunction with other U.S. agencies, looking at stablecoins, and talks about some of the really significant systemic risks that may arise from stablecoins related to uh, financial stability and, and other risks. And the real proposal that the treasury department and these other agencies came up with there in the, in that stablecoin report was that stablecoin related activities really need to be undertaken by banks or by businesses that have obtained banking licenses and so i think this is really what what the direction of of travel is and where we will see things moving even further and further over the coming months and years is that regulators are going to want to see that the crypto space is is really operating by the same rules and standards as the banking industry
1: So all to say, we can expect more scrutiny on DeFi in the coming months thanks to the FATF's recommendations. Now that those recommendations are finalized, it's on the jurisdictions to implement them. And stateside, we can expect regulators to look at how their existing policy can enforce recommendations like the travel rule. Keep an eye out for future policy scoop updates from me, Ashlyn Keeley, to see how it unfolds. Thanks for listening.